We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Top Dogs Podcast here on the Field of 68 Media Network. My name is Rob Doster, and we have to talk about game day, baby. Uh, Villanova heads up to stores uh, and gets waxed 78-54 to 54 by the number one team in the country and the team that I still have as the number one team uh, in America. I'm recording this before the AP poll comes out, so I do not know if UConn is still going to remain as the number one team in America, but my top three did not change based off of what happened uh, over the course of the last week. So I still think it's UConn, then Purdue, then Washington State. Uh, and that's kind of where I'm at right now. Game day looked absolutely electric. It looked like an awesome experience. I don't understand why they did it for the Villanova game as opposed to the Marquette game last weekend, but you know, it is what it is. Maybe they had already decided that Auburn uh, and Kentucky was the game to be at. It was the same reason that I decided that Auburn and Kentucky was the game to be at when we made that schedule. It was uh, a top 10 battle between those two teams. And it looks like maybe eventually it will end up being a top 10 battle between those two teams again. But it was nice to see uh, ESPN recognize UConn on a day or when they are not a team that plays on uh, ESPN's uh, network and plays on ESPN's air. So Nice to see that happen. Um, nice to see that Dan Hurley didn't actually curse live on TV. Uh, if you go back and rewatch the film and really break it down, he never gets to the in the that he uh, after he missed that half court shot live on television. So uh, it was nice to see that that uh, we'll call that not a curse. <laughs> We'll call it not a curse. He came close, but we'll call it not a curse. Um, it felt like that building was ready to explode on multiple occasions uh in the actual game against Villanova um it didn't really happen until the second half when uh UConn put together a little bit of a surge um I think that's just kind of what this UConn team is this year I've said this over and over again uh that they are just you don't get the same kind of like 12-0 bursts that you did last year you don't get those kind of eruptions it's like a slow steady grind and then all of a sudden you look up and they're up by 16 points in a game where whoever they're playing has not really had a chance to kind of get it going. It's not like last year where they were going on these ridiculous runs and find a way to win games in the span of like a five-minute surge, right? Uh, it's more this year they kind of wear you down and wear you down and wear you down, and all of a sudden they're up by 
there's eight minutes left and you have no chance of winning the game. So um, I thought we saw a perfect example of that in the game that frankly matches up, or I'm sorry, in a team that frankly matches up fairly well with UConn. Um, I'll get to that in just a second, but it was a nice little full circle moment. If we're going to be honest, um, the, the moment that kind of stands out that I think epitomizes and, and is the one is the press conference that everyone associates with Dan Hurley in his UConn tenure is obviously the, you better get us now because it's coming statement. That was four years ago, January 18th, 2020 in a game that was played at the Wells Fargo center against Villanova who won the Big East regular season title that season. And it was a year and a half into Hurley's tenure. They were not very good. UConn was, I think that loss dropped them to 10 and seven on the season. Uh, and, um, it was a moment where uh, he was a year and a half into his time as the UConn head coach, and and you could get you got glimpses of what they were building, but um, it wasn't close. I don't think anybody could could imagine what UConn would turn into three years later. Uh, contrast that with um, Villanova now in the post Jay Wright era, going on the road a year and a half into Kyle Neptune's tenure. And losing by 24 to uh, to UConn, who has usurped Villanova as the powerhouse in the Big East, the best team in the conference. And um, I think that there are people who are better wordsmiths than than I that can find a way to really uh, drive that point home. But I thought it was a a neat little twist. And and you know, honestly, the the it's coming quote is going to go down in history as one of like the greatest predictions that we've ever seen a college coach make or and uh in in this kind of a setting and uh it was you know it's 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 always enjoyable to see when UConn finds a way to be able to assert their dominance I I say this over and over again and I hope that people appreciate it but the the era that we're living through and, and we're experiencing right now with UConn basketball is not something that um is normal right you don't always you don't normally see teams that win a national title come back the next year and be just as dominant. I, I talked through this stat before, but it's not been since 2016 Duke that a team that has been the reigning national champions has gotten out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. It has not been since 2007 Villanova that a reigning national champion has gotten to the Sweet 16 or farther, right? Normally what happens, especially in the era of one and dones and, and players leaving early for the NBA draft and, and and this and that is you make the run to the national title. Um, you get the NCAA tournament bump when it comes to the eyes of uh, scouts and draft boards and draft nicks. You have a bunch of your best players go pro, and then you have to start the rebuilding process all over again. And the fact that UConn has gone from winning the national title to losing all their guys pro to restarting the, the, to starting the rebuilding process over again and having that rebuilding process lead directly to a team that is sitting here in the last week of February at 25 and three, one game, one win at home against Seton Hall away from clinching a share of the Big East regular season title uh, is is something and in a place where they're number one in the country and has a very, very, very real chance. The betting favorite to repeat as national champions is something that should not be lost on anybody. And um, UConn fans know the lows of the lows when it comes to what it's like to be a sports fan and how quickly things can turn. We're seeing that with Villanova. We're seeing that with the likes of Michigan and Michigan State. It's it's something that can be fleeting, right? It's something where uh, if you are not enjoying the highest of the highs to the fullest level that you could possibly be enjoying it, what, what are we even, what are we doing this for, man? Like, what are we sports fans for? What are we UConn fans for? What are you, what are you doing at, in this 
in this space if you're not enjoying every single second out of uh out of out of what this team is it's it's been so much fun to watch it's been so much fun to follow and i'll tell you this i i have thoroughly enjoyed every second of this college basketball season so hopefully that will continue hopefully that will result in a couple of banners that could get uh that can get hung and some nets getting cut down and um some more some more championships some more silverware some more trophies it's always fun to win something when you are uh the fan of a program um all right before we get into the actual game itself and there are some things we i i think we need to talk about i also have have a take on a Big East Player of the Year race that uh, I I'm curious to see what the the majority of people listening to this are going to think because I think I might be on a different page than a lot of different people. But we get to that in a second. I do want to talk about the game because I think there are two two real things to, that that need to come out of this, and one of them is not Tristan Newton's triple double. Anyone paying attention knows how damn good Tristan Newton has been. They know how much of a stat sheet stuffer he is. They know how much he can impact a basketball game. Um, in in every facet of the uh of the of the sport and every facet of the game. Um that it's not a surprise that he's posting triple doubles. Like it's his fourth one. We know it's awesome. We should appreciate it and should enjoy it and, and uh should celebrate it when it happens. But like this dude is averaging 15.7 boards and six assists. Like triple doubles are gonna come when you put up those numbers. It's not a surprise to anybody. Um I did thoroughly enjoy, however, uh Shout out to my guy, Jerry Cutler, the, uh, the host of the CT Scoreboard podcast, who was sitting directly behind Gus Johnson on the broadcast. Got a couple shouts. I sent him a couple texts. Uh, we got to work on your dance moves, Jared. But um, it was <laughs> it, it was pretty cool to see you back there and, and enjoying the moment. And he got an unbelievable video of Gus Johnson reacting to uh, to Tristan Newton's shot, where you can actually hear in the video from his phone. Um uh, Gus Johnson yelling as Tristan Newton got it. And it's just it, the excitement and enthusiasm that you see from Gus Jeezy whenever a moment like that happens. I wonder how much money he had on Tristan Newton getting a triple-double in this game because that reaction made me feel like he probably had a couple of uh, couple of dollars on it. Um, but I, I think the bigger storyline for me there was Alex Caravan, right? Like he's he's been in kind of a nasty slump. And it's it ha we haven't talked about it that much because his numbers have been great, but – um overall and season long but in the last three games he is three for 16 from three against Villanova he was 0 for 7 from the floor and 0 for 6 from three uh, until that shot that he hit from about 27 feet to get Tristan Newton his triple double in the last five games that were not DePaul or Georgetown uh Caravan is five for 24 from beyond the arc he hasn't scored more than 12 points in a game that didn't come against DePaul or Georgetown uh, since that home win over Creighton on on January 17th. So it's been a while since he's been really, really good against <clears throat> teams that are are less than uh, – or the, against teams that are better than the absolute dregs of the Big East Conference this year. And despite all of that, he's still shooting 42% from three on the season. Um, he's still uh, one of the best shooters in the Big East in terms of percentages, Right. Uh, it's a bit of a small sample size that we're kind of talking about here and we're kind of dealing with here, right? And when you're a shooter and you can kind of go in a college season where uh, league play has 18 to 20 games, um, your season has 31 to 40 games, um, and you can go on like three or four game runs where you're absolutely scorching and you can't hit the broad side of the barn, sometimes this stuff can get skewed a little bit. It's fun with small sample sizes, right? Um, overall, in the last two seasons – Caravan shooting right about at 40% from beyond the arc. 
against tier A and B opponents this year on Ken Palm, he's shooting 31.8% from three. Last year, it was 39.1. I'm sorry, he's shooting 31.8% from three. Last year, it was 39.1. This year, against tier A opponents on Ken Palm, which is essentially like quad one-ish kind of games, he's shooting 34.4% from three. Last year, it was 41.5% from three. So I just think that this is him hitting a little bit of a rough stretch at the wrong time. Um, but he's getting the shots that he wants, right? He's getting the open looks. Every single time that he's taken a three, I think everybody in the building, I think everybody on the bench, I think everybody in the coaching staff, I think everybody on the floor is sitting there saying, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it, let it fly. I think every single opposing coach, when he's taking that shot, is like, get a hand up, get a hand up, close out. How do we let him get that look? Let it keep flying, man. Like, I, I think that the most important thing to take away from this is that despite all of the struggles that he's had, he is still up there firing away, getting shots up, taking seven threes in the game. He's still out there, the one making the shot when Tristan Newton needed, like the one that actually mattered in that game, the one that really mattered in terms of uh, getting something accomplished, he hit it. Last shot of the day, hopefully that's something where it can boost his confidence. Let him fly. Uh, if he's missing them now, that just means he's getting the misses out of the way and is going to be hot for New York City, Madison Square Garden, Biggie's tournament, right? That's just kind of the way that I'm telling it myself, and that's the way that shooters think. Like, now that he got the misses out of the way, those makes are going to come. So uh, keep firing. Don't be worried about it. Don't stress about it. Um, if you are in the stance of the games, get up there and cheer every time he's he's open. Scream, shoot. I love – that's one of my favorite things about college basketball games is uh, when you can hear coming through the TV just the shoot from the fan base whenever a shooter is wide open. We got that a couple times with Donovan at the top of the key. Um, when he's been opening by himself, it was the, the one that stands out as the Xavier game. That was, uh, that was pretty cool. But just he's got to keep firing. That's it. Point blank period. Shooter's got to shoot. Eventually, they're going to start going down. He's too good of a shooter to keep missing. Um, for me, the bigger takeaway from this game was, uh, on paper, I think Eric Dixon is a difficult matchup for Donovan, and he is the kind of matchup that we'll see from uh, some mid-majors or some upset-minded teams that I think, in theory, could give you kind of a little bit of trouble, right? Um, he's a pick-and-pop five. He is a guy that is maybe the best shooter, one of the best shooters on uh, Villanova's team. If you remember last year, a lot of what they did towards the end of games is running Eric Dixon, their six foot six, 260 pound five man off of pin downs and off of, uh, off of um, off ball screens to got to get, try to get him open looks. And I think that seeing Donovan get the best of that matchup is a really good sign. One, he was able to establish in the post a little bit more than I think we've seen in the past. And it looks like the confidence is coming there. Um, you know, I've said this over and over again. Like, I, I don't think that Klingon's best uh, attribute offensively is throwing the ball to him in the – like, he's not a Damasinova. He's not going to back you down, right? But I think that we've seen him more and more, especially in the last couple of weeks, get a little better at establishing position, get a little better at uh, – getting the ball in the post, making a quick move, and getting it up on the glass. He had a lefty jump hook off the glass in the second half against Eric Dixon. That was a really, really tough shot, a really nice shot, and he shot that thing with a ton of confidence, right? Um, he had a couple moves in the first half where he was able to get an angle, and I think he missed one of them because he got fouled, but he was still able to get the angle that he needed to be able to get the uh, the shot that he wanted. And, you know, we saw it a little bit against Marquette, um, and we've seen it. We saw it didn't really happen against Creighton. Like, it was just – that was a weird game. That was a tough matchup. But um, seeing Donovan kind of develop that aspect of his game, I think, is a big thing because it will take pressure off of 
the guards. You know, I've, I said this, I remember, shit, I remember talking about this in the game against Providence at home when Sonogo missed it in 2022 and Providence beat UConn by like 20. What Providence did was they switched everything on the perimeter and without having Sonogo in the post, they couldn't get the ball to anybody to be able to relieve the pressure on the guards and, and be able to take away from what Providence was doing defensively, switching everything, pressuring them on the per, uh, perimeter, um, not allowing UConn to be able to run any of their stuff out there. And having that release valve where you can just kind of throw the ball into them and say, okay, we know there's a very good chance that we're going to get a bucket or someone's going to pick up a foul and we're going to go to the free throw line. Uh, is a huge thing um, and a very, very nice step. And it looks like, you know, it took a while for for Kling to feel like he kind of got the confidence in um, in his ability coming off of the injury. And now it looks like the confidence in his post game is starting to come back. And and uh, it's been better the last couple of weeks. And I think that's a really good thing to see uh, for UConn offensively. Next step for me, I want to see him, when people are around him, rip the rim off. Go up and dunk it and throw it down on people, over people, through people. He's got the length and athleticism to do it. Um, I want to start seeing that. Like, that's the thing about that's what makes Zach Eady so dominant is that if he is within five feet of the bucket, you know, he is dunking that thing. You know, he's dunking it with two hands and he's going through whoever is in his way to get there. To me, that's the that's the next step offensively for Klingon, because I think that um, he is capable of doing that. And I think that uh, as he adds a little bit more strength and physicality, he will be able to make that happen. Um, I don't know if it happens this year, but I think that's the next step that I want to see. It's like, just go through people and dunk it on their face, man. That's the next step. So um, yeah, it'll be fun to see him develop. That probably will be something that we see come uh, in the NBA if we were being totally honest, but we'll see. We'll see how that ends up playing out. Uh, I think the importance of this win though should not be overlooked. Again, UConn is now one game away from finding a way to uh, to be able to win the Big East regular season title, at least a share of it, right? Um, they are two wins or one win and a Marquette loss away from having the outright Big East regular season share. What is that? The, the, the magic number. Let's get into the magic number game. I think it's a magic number of one for a share of the title and a magic number of two for the outright Big East regular season title. Um, I think winning, beating Seton Hall at home on Sunday, next Sunday, I can't believe it's eight days before they play again, but next Sunday is a massive, massive one just because you don't want to have to go into uh, Marquette saying, all right, we got to win this game. Otherwise, we got to go on the road to Providence. And if we don't win at Providence, then we don't have a Big East title to speak of, right? That would just too many narratives, too many uh, different things going on, too many storylines. We don't want to allow Providence fans to be able to have a chance to hold that over UConn's head for uh, for all of eternity. So get this one done against Seton Hall. Um, and then you're in a spot where all you got to do is win one more for the first play for, for a big East regular season title and for uh, the number one seed in the big East tournament. Um, and as I mentioned, the importance of that, you get the number one seed in all likelihood, you don't have to see Creighton or Marquette until the finals. And that is, uh, that makes it much, much easier to be able to put yourself in a position to cut down nets on that Saturday night in Madison Square Garden. So big win, great win. It was great to see. What's going on, everybody? Rob Doster here from the Field of 68. And I need to tell you about a partnership that we just signed with Autograph, a fandom company co-founded by the GOAT himself, Tom Brady. 
Brady in the gun. Touchdown, yeah. Patriots! I can't deal with my clogged Twitter feed anymore. Every single tweet gets three responses from some Twitter bot promoting gambling picks. I just want to read the articles, man. I just want to read stories. I just want to listen to my favorite podcast. I just want to consume the content that breaks down my favorite college basketball team. And I want to do it all in one place. Now I can with the new autograph rewarding fandom app. That place exists. And here's the best part about it. The more content you consume about your favorite team and the more reward points that I rack up, the better my chances are gonna be to score one-of-a-kind fan merch, discounted tickets to games, or other awesome items and experiences on the Autograph app. So go download it, use that referral code F68, that's F68, and get access today. Hey, if you do, maybe I'll get my buddy Tom to send you a thank you note. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 each and every week of the college basketball season. We have a special offer that will be available starting on Tuesday, January 9th, and running through Monday, February 12th, the morning after Super Bowl 58. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, in honor of the big game, you can use the bonus code FIELD158 and you'll get $158 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM, regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD158. 
deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You'll receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure that you use that bonus code FIELD158 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create separate accounts in each state. It's easy, it's simple, it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the heart of the college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops, odd boosts, and my favorite, a nice juicy parlay boost. So download the BetMGM app and sign up today. Field 158. Let's talk about the Big East Player of the Year race because that conversation is picking up um, that it is very interesting to me that in a league where we have talked about how good the big guys are uh, all season coming in from Calc Brenner to Klingon to Joel Soriano to Josh Duro um, to, uh, to also Iguodaro to all these guys that the player of the year race is basically to me come down uh, to, um, to five guards Um and uh, that would be Tristan Newton, Tyler Kolick, Cam Spencer, Baylor Shireman, and uh, and Devin Carter. And here's where I think we want to talk a little bit about Tristan Newton and just how good um, he has been. Uh, 15 points, 7.5 boards, 5.9 assists, um, second triple-double of the season, 10.16 boards, 10 assists against Villanova. Like, his numbers compare – quite favorably and quite impressively to the numbers that Shabazz Napier put up in the year where UConn won the title in 2014 and Shabazz was a first-team All-American. Um, he's been dominant. I don't think he gets anywhere near the amount of love that he should because his game is not flashy. Like We talked about this a lot at the start of the season. Like There is, there is an element of what he does that <laughs> makes you uncomfortable to watch as a fan because he just kind of has this, this like – his vibe where he is, it looks like he's dribbling kind of loosely. It looks like he's about to lose the ball. It doesn't look like he's going to find a way to be able to get by someone. And then all of a sudden, like he's able to get free and get an inch of space. And he hits this like 12 foot fade away where you're like, how the hell did that go in? But that's just kind of his shot. And that's just kind of what he does. So there's not, it's not a flashy game. It's not a sexy game there. It's kind of, he's got a lot of throwback um, old school vibe in his game. And, and what I always compare it to is like, he's, He's like the 40-year-old at uh, at the gym that just has every trick in the book to be able to create a little bit of space and get a shot off. And, and uh, it's <laughs> it's impressive to see him do it over and over and over again because there's so many times where he does something, you're like, I don't know if that's a good – all right, I went in. All right, that's Tristan Newton for you. Um, so I think that that's part of where he gets hurt a little bit. Uh, the other thing that's going to hurt him when it comes to the Big East Player of the Year title race is that Cam Spencer has been unbelievable in Big East play as well. You know, I, I think – I think I would probably lean towards Tristan over Cam because of the role that they play on this team. Um, Tristan is the guy that is asked to do all of the heavy lifting in the half court, especially when you get to the end of the clock. That's part of why um, some of his efficiency numbers are a little bit down this year. That's part of why uh, you see him guarding uh, not the best player on an opponent's defense um, because they want to be able to save his legs and be able to let him have that energy. Uh, I think that um, he is uh, 
you know, what makes Cam so good is that he kind of functions within the offense and really, really thrives in the things that he is being asked to do by Hurley and his staff, where Tristan can do that. But Tristan is also a guy where at the end of a clock, he can go make something happen on his own. And I don't think Cam is quite as good as that. Um, it's picking nits. Both of them have been fantastic. I would have both of them as first team all conference players uh, in the Big East this year. But um, I would I would tend to lean towards Tristan Newton over Cam Spencer, and I think the biggest hindrance to either one of their uh, their abilities to actually win the Big East Player of the Year award is that they are going to end up splitting votes, and that's going to end up getting broken up there uh, between them. Um, but I think I would have Tristan Newton as uh, I haven't actually done it out yet, but he's going to end up being a first or second team All American for me, depending on how the rest of the season goes, what he does these last five games, and and who else can kind of go out and and win some league titles. But um, Cam Spencer deserves to be in that that All American conversation as well. They've both been unbelievable, and uh, I think you can make the argument that that backcourt is the best backcourt in college basketball right now in this moment. Um, Tyler Kolek has been. Another guy that's been just phenomenal this season. He had 18 assists the other day against the Paul. The run he went on in Marquette's eight-game winning streak was just terrific. Um, and I do think that, you know, I've said this before. I do think that the biggest thing between him and uh, uh, between Marquette and winning a, a Big East title, winning a national title, winning a Big East tournament again, is losing Sean Jones and the fact that, now Tyler Kolek has to do everything offensively for him, right? There is no, there's nobody that can come in and can spell him for three minutes here and three minutes there uh, to run the point. There's no one that can come in and allow him to stay on the floor, but play off the ball and be more of a floor spacer and get a little bit of a rest that way. Uh, it's it's him, it's all him, and that is a tough thing for them to be able to do. If you want to say that Tyler Kolek is the biggest player of the year, it's very, very difficult for me to argue against you because of everything that he has done. Um, at this point, I don't think that I necessarily would have them because of the argument that I'm about to make in a second, but uh, he is right there. Um, and I think that there is, you know, I, I don't really want to have that debate because I, I think that both players are awesome, but uh, I think there is a very fun debate to be had at some point about who is the better player between Tristan Newton and Tyler Kolek. Um you guys know where I stand. Uh, the other one that would be in the conversation is Baylor Shireman. Um, and Baylor, I mean, he's just been he's been terrific in Big East play, but uh, Creighton's going to finish third, and he hasn't been the best player in the conference, clearly. Um, so I don't think that he, to me, he's more of in the first-team conversation than in the Big East player of the year conversation. That doesn't say anything about him. That says more about uh, just how good the backcourt and guards have been in the Big East this year. But for me, and again, I know that I'm probably going to take heat for this, but I, I think that Devin Carter is the the guy that you have to vote for for Big East Player of the Year, and um, and this is why. Okay, so I went through. There, there's this website called Hoop Explorer that allows you to get um, per possession data adjusted for opponent uh, based on on off splits on who, who when a player is on the court versus when they are off the court, right? And it's kind of like the nerdy way, the analytical way of looking at plus minus instead of just looking at raw points and raw data, you look at it for uh, for things um, with with advanced metrics and efficiency numbers and all that, right? Uh, so it's a noisy stat. It's not necessarily the best stat, but when there are massive gaps in it, it's something that you could take a lot out of. For example, when Tristan Newton is off the floor, 
Uh, UConn gets worse defensively. I'm sorry, they get worse offensively, but they get better on the defensive end. That would make sense because Asandiar comes in, and we know what Asandiar is as a pest defensively, uh, and we know some of the limitations that he has on the offensive end of the floor, right? Um, they are better overall with Tristan on the floor uh, by a decent number. I mean, that's because what he does offensively outweighs some of the limitations that he has defensively, but uh, it, the gap is not all that much. They go from being, when he's on the floor, they go from being the best team in the country to like one of the five best teams in the country, something like that. Same thing can be said with Sam, Cam Spencer. The numbers um, when he's off go down, but not by a significant margin. They are much better offensively when he's on the floor and they are better defensively when he is not on the floor. But overall, when you kind of look at the efficiency margins and the net ratings there, again, they go from being like a the best team in the country to like a top four, five, six, eight team in the country, something like that, right? Um, Tyler Kolek, the splits are a little bit bigger, but I was actually kind of surprised at how good Marquette has been um, efficiency-wise when he's been off the floor, right? The, bigger, my, the biggest issue for Marquette is that he has to play all of the minutes at this point. It's not whether or not he is on or off the floor. It's that he's got to play all of the minutes. And on the night when, nights when uh, he struggles against UConn in the two-game losing streak they had earlier this year, uh, there aren't as many answers available for, um, for Marquette. Shireman's the same thing. Like it's just he's his on-off splits are there, but it's not it's not the same as Devin Carter. Providence, when Devin Carter is off the floor, they are thirty points worse per hundred possessions without him. All right, they go from a net rating adjusted per opponent of eighteen point four on Hoop Explorer, and to put that into context, uh, Seton Hall is about in the fifteen range, Creighton is about in the twenty-one range. So when when Providence has Devin Carter playing, when he is on the court, the Friars are better than Seton Hall in the neighborhood of Creighton, right? Does that make sense? When he's off the floor, their net rating plummets to minus 14.9. And again, to put that into context, uh, Georgetown is sitting at minus 6.9, nice. And DePaul is at minus 19.6. So when Devin Carter is off the floor, Providence is worse than Georgetown and only marginally better than what DePaul has been so far in Big East play. So that tells you everything, in my opinion, that tells you everything you need to know about how good he's been, especially on the offensive end of the floor. They get better by 30 points per 100 possessions when he is on the floor offensively. It's just the 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 difference is drastic. It's stark. It's something that stands out. And honestly, like he's dragging a team that had that is probably built for like the NIT, maybe a little bit less, uh, to a um, a place where they are very much in the conversation for an NCAA tournament bid. If the season ended today, they probably would be in the NCAA tournament. And uh, that is that is something that I think should get him into the conversation and probably get him the award for Big East Player of the Year because what he's doing is, uh, is absolutely ridiculous. So... Um, I love Tristan Newton. I think he's an All-American. I think that he is probably the runner-up for Big East Player of the Year this year, but I cannot overlook the fact that with Devin Carter, without him, Providence is worse than Georgetown, according to HoopExplorer.com. So uh, that's all I'm going to say about that because I don't feel like getting yelled at too much. Um, probably going to have another episode this week, trying to track down an interview or two. Keep, uh, keep your eye on this feed. Keep your eye on the YouTube channel, and hopefully – uh, I will have some more news on that coming up soon. Until then, um, get ready for Seton Hall. It's going to be a big one. Go Huskies.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.